Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 137 of the podcast, where I sit down with legendary filmmaker Stephen Kendrick. Stephen and his brother Alex have been making Christian films for quite some time. You've probably heard of their movies, Fireproof, Courageous, uh, Facing the Giants, one of my all-time favorite feel-good movies. And today I sit down with Steven to talk about his brand new documentary. That's right. Something a little different than the fictional films they've previously done. We talk about what it means to have a father. You know, what does it mean to lean in to the idea of biblical fatherhood, about being a man in your family and their documentary, Show Me the Father, is uh, is pretty important, I think, for many of us who want to make sure we're doing our very best to pour into the next generation. So whether you are a dad, you know a dad, or you have some kids, uh, this is an important discussion for you. So I'm thankful to be on this journey with you. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Stephen Kendrick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, kind of a, a legend in, in the Christian world with us today, Stephen Kendrick. Uh <laughs> Movie producer, extraordinaire, writer, so many great things. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, my pleasure, Tony. Good to talk to you. Uh, well, as I was I was trying to think about, like, h- how do you articulate your calling when somebody says, Stephen, what kind of ministry do you do? How did you end up getting into, um, the, you know, the Christian film industry? How, how do you, what's that story look like? Well, it's totally a journey of faith, and it is basically living out the scriptures in our generation. Uh, I accepted a call to just serve the Lord in my teenage years. I fell in love with the Lord, with scriptures, and was trying to just say, God, here am I, you know, use me. Uh, My brother Alex, the same story with him, going on mission trips, getting a taste of ministry, Uh, and we had seen God work in our parents' lives. Both of them had done Christian school ministry. Our dad had done church ministry, but we saw incredible answers to prayer. We saw uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, in our parents' lives and God just doing amazing things. So we knew it was real. Uh, We, the scriptures had transformed our lives and had had blessed and impacted us. And so we uh, were basically just wanting to serve God in ministry. Alex, as from his early teen years, wanted to get into filmmaking. You know, he's watching Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen and watching the fire come down from heaven and fry all the Nazis at the end of that movie. And he's just like, I must do this. You know, this is my passion, you know. So uh, looking back, though, I can see that God was using our parents to prepare us. Uh, They prayed about what house we should live in. And uh, they moved in next door to this guy who played with video cameras back when VHS cameras were two parts with a little the big suitcase on your shoulder. And, you know, and we're playing with his son and shooting our own versions of movies out in the woods. And we were doing stop and go animation kind of stuff. And this is a secular family, not believers, highly intellectual. But we're learning filmmaking as we're playing, you know, with them. And then our dad would sponsor Billy Graham movies, you know, let's take the church and the community, go see. I remember when the prodigal came out and we're handing out flyers, go see the prodigal, you know, knowing that it would present the gospel. And, but he would also rent Disney movies on film that would be sent to our church. And he would have these popcorn movie nights. It would set up a screen and would project, you know, Snowball Express or Herbie Goes Bananas kind of stuff as clean family-friendly alternatives as to you could sit down and eat popcorn and watch this movie. And so looking back, uh, God was using them to prepare us for this. Hmm. Uh, But when Alex announced, I want to get into filmmaking, uh, my parents were like, Hollywood is is the cesspool of morality. Why would you want to go do this? This is horrible. But they continued to pray and and point us back to the Lord. And... uh, And so God continued to open doors for ministry. So really, even now, the Great Commission is our passion. Loving the Lord and loving on people is what we want to do. Uh, And we try to do discipleship at every level so that 
even when we're on set, we're trying to disciple the crew or lead them to Christ. When we are filming a movie, we want the, the movie itself to be an instrument of blessing to the church, of evangelism to the lost. And then any resources or profits that come in, we want to be generous in giving to kingdom causes because we ain't going to take it with us and we need to stand before God. And the hope would be that there will be many more people knowing the Lord, loving the Lord, worshiping the Lord in heaven uh, as a result of us joining God and what he's going to be doing with or without us. But hey, man, jump on that train because there's nothing better than glorifying God with your life. So if you come back to what we're doing now, God led us specifically into filmmaking. And I did not realize that God had wired me to be a producer because mm. I didn't know what a producer was when we made Facing the Giants. <laughs> I'm the producer and I don't know what that is. And so we've never been to film school. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so now I know that it's a get it done leader that helps the movie from beginning to end, get into the end zone and get completed, whether I do it or I hire somebody. Uh, that's the simplified version of what a producer is. But Alex is wired like a director. He can see the finished product on the inside of his forehead. And so he edits in his head. He writes editing emotions in his, set, in his head. And he's a good storyteller emotionally so that he can grab your attention and make you at the end of the death cross scene on the edge of your seat, you know, choking back tears. Or, in, you know, pick, you pick a movie and I can point out a scene where Alex has emotionally shepherded the audience to a place of inspiration. But at the same time, we're trying to communicate God's truth and praying that the Holy Spirit will anoint it. And when people are sitting in the theaters or on an airplane watching an in-flight movie or they're at home, on an iPhone or in a prison cell that they're yeah. having, we're praying that they'll have an encounter with God that can be tailored specifically to their hearts. So I love that. Uh, and discipleship is one of our favorite things to talk about here. Um, and so I, I'm kind of curious if we could drill in just a little bit more on what, what does discipleship at every level look like? I mean, obviously you, you've created a, a Christian environment, but I, I would assume yeah. that not everyone in your world is of the same belief. How, how do you guys shepherd that discipleship at every level kind of mindset? How, how do you create, I mean, you've obviously created a very successful company based on that idea. What, what does that look like in practice? Well, uh, if you go back to the Great Commission uh, and you look at Jesus finishing up his ministry on earth before he ascends into heaven and he gives us in Matthew 28, the all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go make disciples. Uh, and then he breaks down. You're leading them to Christ. You're baptizing them, connecting them to a local church body. And then you're teaching them to read, study, obey, live out his commands. And he's with us. Well, first, we have all authority and all resources backing us up. And he says, not only do I have all authority, but I'm with you every step of the way. So wherever we go, and we've seen it in the filmmaking world, if God calls you to do something, he can provide anything in any amount to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And if you know that, then if he calls you to Africa, to the bush, if he calls you to China, you don't have to be afraid that he is going to show up with the resources that you need. And if he can feed the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, and he can feed Elijah through the ravens when they're hungry. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, the first sermon that he preaches in the first gospel, quit worrying about it. Your father knows what you need. He's going to take care of you. If you start with that foundation, then that's how we could be in Charlotte, North Carolina, without the funding for War Room, with crew moving into town, by faith walking in obedience, and then we get a phone call that God is sending us half a million dollars unexpectedly for us to carry us through production. And I was sleeping well at night, but I was praying fervently, and the Lord shows up with, uh, he showed up with a golf cart, uh, I'm sorry, he showed up with a uh, a forklift when we were shooting the train scene in Fireproof. He has, I can tell you just about with every movie, things where God has stepped in to fill in the gap. And it's not because we're chasing our dream and asking God to bless it. No, we're jumping off of our bus and we're jumping on his bus. He's driving and we say, wherever you want to go, Lord, we're with you. We want to serve you. You know, you lead the way. And so we tell people, quit asking God to bless your passion and you start surrendering to the Lord and say, God, here I am, send me. What do you want me to do? 
And it was through that kind of surrender that he led us back into filmmaking. Alex wanted to make a movie about time travel rapture stuff. And God says, make a movie about a used car salesman. And so we make the movie Flywheel for $20,000. And Alex wasn't really excited about that, but God was in it. And now 1.3 million DVDs now around the world internationally makes no sense that a $20,000 movie shot on a 480p camera could have that kind of impact internationally. Well, it's because we're the boy with five loaves and two fish, and the Lord chose us to, to bless it and do something with it. And he gets the credit for it. We get the credit for the low resolution and camera getting out of focus, you know. So with every one of the movies, though, it has been one string of answered prayer after another. But that journey of faith, we try to communicate that to the people that we're making movies with. So when we talk about discipleship at every level, uh, if someone doesn't know Christ, we want to be the fragrance of Christ to them with treating mm. them better than unions in Hollywood would treat them, being concerned about them and their families, their health, their faith, paying them an honorable wage, uh, giving them weekends off, <laughs> uh, encouraging them to prioritize their kids, uh, just the whole environment that we operate, we're not run by unions, which in a lot of secular sets, if you don't have unions involved, then people get shot on a Western set. You know, you know, or sure. you have you have things happen that are toxic in our environment. We want our motivation to be our love for the Lord and our love for people. So when they come on our sets, we've had people say no to Hollywood movies and come work on our movies because their marriage was falling apart and their faith was falling apart and their health was falling apart. And then they show up and we're creating a, an environment of unity and love and prayer. And we understand the purpose while we're filming it. Our movie matters. <laughs> and if mm. your, your movie matters and you're, you're not just putting a sandbag down now, you're saving a marriage in Africa. You're not just you know, lighting a scene or, or moving a C-stand, you're turning the hearts of fathers back to their children in Ecuador. You know, everything you're doing is embedded with eternal value if it's connected back to the Great Commission. So for us, you meet somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, hey, let me be an, an instrument, an example of the gospel, and let me communicate the gospel as God opens the door to them. And we've had people saved on our sets in that kind of environment. Uh, the jump rope coach on on War Room gave his life to Christ at the end of War Room. Our sound wow. guy uh, on Courageous during the gang beat-in scene. You know, T.C. Stallings was the head gang guy being the tough guy on set, but he has a dynamic testimony of how Jesus changed his life. And he was sharing his testimony in between takes, and the sound guy is listening to the gospel being shared you know, in between takes, and he gives his life to Christ at the end of that scene. And so on set, and then with the believers, if you meet somebody that knows the Lord, they may not know how to walk with the Lord. They may not know mm. how to surrender their day-to-day -to, -day to him or pray to him in faith or uh, learn to understand their identity in Christ, which we were talking about on Overcomer. So everybody you meet is on a spiritual journey. And if you can just identify where they are on that journey when you're interacting with them and then help them to move on to the next level in their walk with Christ, you are joining God in the sanctification process of dis bringing about disciples. And so if a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ, then we want to be modeling that where every area of our lives, we want to resubmit to the Lord on a regular basis, but also we try to be real that we don't have it all together <laughs> that we're, you know, broken people serving a perfect God, then they see us repent when we blow it. You know, mm. you know, producers notoriously uh, are known for blaming everybody else for their stupid decisions and taking credit for things that their crew did. And so for us to be able to stand up and say, hey, I just need to thank Bob Scott for his cinematography, because the reason this movie looks amazing is because of him and our gaffer and our key lighting guy. Y'all have done a fantastic job and we're so grateful for you. That's fun to, to honor those guys who never get honored in other environments. But secondly, if we make a decision and it causes inconvenience on everybody else, they already know it's our fault. But when we stand up and say, <laughs> hey guys, I blew it yesterday. I made it. I made a call that I thought was the right thing, but it inconvenienced you guys. My bad, you know. <laughs> and so here's what we're going to do to fix it. 
And uh, I appreciate your patience with us as leaders. We're going to give you grace and we're asking you to give us grace. Man, when you just be real with people, uh, they appreciate that, you know, and th- and they're willing to then lock shields with you and head back into the next battle. So, Yeah, I, I think that the authenticity of of what you guys have done in your ministry really shines through. I also think that there's probably somebody's listening who's never taken that first step of being dependent upon God for the resources that they need, right? And they're, they're listening to you talk and they're like, oh, well, you know, of course he's got this big movie empire, however, you, you know, people want to categorize it. You know, what's the first step in, in the balance of, of faith and preparation when it comes to dependence on, on God for what you need? Uh, I would say be Indiana Jones and step off the cliff when you don't understand or see how it's going to work. And what that means is obey what God has told you to do and watch what happens. You know, he says in Malachi, those of you that are robbing me and they're like, how are you robbing me? He says, you're tight. You're not tithing. You're not honoring me with your finances. And as a result of it, here's all these things that are happening. He says, test me. So I tell people, Test the Lord, you know, take what you're worried about and then write it out and pray about those things and ask God for help and watch what happens. Uh, Take the things that are in your life and commit them to the Lord. As you're stepping into a business meeting, pray, God, give me wisdom and grace as I step into this meeting. Uh, Help me to to be loving and kind to the people that I'm going to be interacting with. Give me discernment as to what I need to do. And you lean into the Lord and watch what happens in that meeting. You will be a way better leader and a way better employee or employer if you're surrendered to God and you have a Mm. servant's heart stepping into that meeting. Every time we give God a little bit more of our lives— He doesn't screw it up. He makes it way better. He resurrects it, you know, and we have this stupid mentality that thinks that we're better than God at making decisions for our own lives or that we can make ourselves happier than he can. But the truth is, when Jesus showed up in Peter's life, not only did he give him the fish that Peter was longing for, but he he pulled him out of an empty life that was meaningless And he made his life count from there on out. And they were amazed at what it was like to interact with Jesus. He was more loving, authentic, truthful, powerful, understanding, wise than anything they had ever experienced. And it was a it was a great adventure following Christ. And that's not just for the Gospels today in our lives. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and the kingdom of God is at hand. And it's amazing when you can hang out with people that walk with the Lord. And when you begin to walk with the Lord more and more to see what God does, it's awesome. It's awesome when he takes a mediocre marriage. And I've seen it happen again and again in marriage counseling. When Jesus starts driving that marriage, how much better it gets. When you see a dad who's a deadbeat dad surrender his life to Christ and let Jesus step in and then The Lord helps him be a loving, involved, wise, you know, involved father with his kids. And just it's that's what happened to us. Our dad had grown up with dysfunction, but he surrendered his life to Christ and God started helping him. And we grew up with this amazing father, not because he was so amazing, but because God took over his life and God began to do something great with it. So I would just tell people, get into the scriptures, ask God Teach me, speak to me, help me to be humble and receptive. And whatever he tells you to do, do it and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. And what happens is your faith wings will begin to grow. You know, we with Flywheel, we thought it was amazing that God provided $20,000. That seemed like so much money when we were making that movie. You know, my, my salary at that time was, was like $30,000 for our whole family for a year and, yeah. you know, we're barely you're making our mortgage payments, but we don't have a lot of money in the bank and we've got kids at home. And but yet we saw God step in and meet our needs. But then he was providing for the films every step of the way. So facing the Giants, one hundred thousand dollars <laughs> seemed like a ginormous budget. You know, Hollywood has one hundred million dollar movies. <laughs> right. We had a we had one hundred thousand dollars, you know, for facing the Giants. And so. Uh, with every movie, he began to build our faith wings that we're now believing him for more. If he can mm. do more than we can ask or imagine, then let's ask for a lot and let's imagine a lot and let's trust him with it and watch what he does with it. 
Do you have a process and when you discern what's the Lord's voice and what's yours? I mean, kind of a, a lot of our listeners are struggle to hear God's voice. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious, how do you filter through, oh, that's definitely God or, oh, that's definitely me uh, right. in your process? Sure. I would say um, big picture ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock on the door will be open to you. And so yeah. I tell people, there's a cycle that we're doing all the time. One of those is we're asking in prayer and we're getting very specific. Pray general prayers, get general answers. Pray specific prayers, get specific answers. And so we will pray very specifically for God to give us wisdom, clarity, and direction about something. And then we will begin to seek and we're gathering information. We're considering the options. We're considering the costs. We're uh, searching the scriptures. We're seeking counsel from other people. We're knocking on doors. We're asking God, you know, and then we're looking for where God opens the door, provides provision, gives us confirmation in the word, where we have a unified sense of rightness about it. And then there will be a peace in our hearts that's always connected to his will as well. So one of the things I tell people is you keep that cycle going. Whatever decision you're trying to make, Pray very specifically for clarity, provision, direction, wisdom, timing from the Lord. Then start gathering information and ask God to open and close doors. Ask God to shut things down that are not of him. Ask God to provide the support, the favor, the resources, and be ready when he does that to move mm. forward by faith. If God says, okay, here's my will, go into Canaan land and kick tail, you know, but you disobey him, now you're worse off because right. he gave you direction, but then you now you're there's a greater level of disobedience or lack of faith in your life because of that. So be ready to trust him and begin to move forward by faith. So here's the other thing I tell people. Uh, Colossians 3 and 4 gives us eight different things that God uses to speak to us. Uh, Colossians 3.15, he uses the peace of God, and he'll give us a check or a peace about something. He'll use the word of God. It'll be a confirmation from his word oftentimes, or a, a verse of scripture will jump out and punch you in the face right when you need it, and God's like, this is for you right now in this situation. He'll use the counsel of other believers. He talks about admonishing and teaching one another. He'll use his name and reputation. What is going to honor the name of Christ in this situation? He'll lead us for his name's sake, it says in Psalm 23. He will use authority. You know, uh, if you're praying about something and you're a kid and your parents say no, don't run in disobedience to them. You know, uh, try to honor the authorities that God has set over you, like Romans 13 and Hebrews 13 says. Uh, then he'll use prayer. As you're praying, there are times when uh, in the midst of surrendered prayer, when I run out of things to pray for, this peace will come over me and then the Lord will just give clarity to what the issue is. That happened on Courageous when we were praying about the wording of the, of the resolution ceremony. It was in the midst of prayer that God downloaded that whole resolution in my heart. And I sat up and typed it up. And when I was kneeling down to pray, I didn't know what was going to be in that resolution. <laughs> and it was after praying and thanking and surrendering and just sitting there before the Lord, not knowing what else to do, that he just downloaded that. So that doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. And then uh, open doors. In chapter four, he talks about pray for me that God will open a door. So there'll be times when you're like, which door do I walk through? And God slams one and opens another. That's another way that he will. And then he talks about wisdom, walking in wisdom in light of all eternity, in light of scripture, in light of all that he's done in your life. What is the wisest thing that will honor him the most in this situation? So those are like eight different arrows. And when we seek him and we're doing that asking, seeking, knocking process, there will be oftentimes he'll line up all those arrows and the provision, the open door, the counsel, the scripture, the peace, all of that points in one direction. And and just not discounting the Holy Spirit, too, that yeah. <clears throat> there will be times in the lives of believers we can begin to tune our hearts to the voice of the spirit where you're just in a situation and you're right with the Lord and he prompts you. 
with a specific thought that's in alignment with the scriptures. And it is usually to do something very loving, but it will require you against all logic sometimes <laughs> in that moment to trust him and by faith to move forward towards doing something that will honor him. And uh, so there, there are, there are times when God is just like, bam, do this. And you're like, what? Build an ark, you know, march around Jericho. That doesn't make sense. You know? That doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So, but that's part of what walking by faith is about. It's trusting God with limited understanding based upon what he's told you. Mm. And he's expecting you to quit waiting for everything to fall into place so you can lean on your own understanding rather than trusting him with all your heart. He wants you with the light in front of the car that he's put in front of you to move forward. And then as you walk in obedience, he'll illumine the next hundred yards yeah, you know, or the next 200 yards. And we've seen that happen really with every film. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Stephen to tell you a little bit about uh, the March 17th through 19th Spirit and Truth Conference. It's going to feel a little bit more like a camp meeting, kind of like a revival. So if you feel tired, exhausted, or worn out by all the things happening in your life, you need to go ahead and head on over to spiritandtruth.life slash conference and sign up for this important, important meeting. It's an opportunity to connect with the Holy Spirit. It's an opportunity to hear world-class speakers. And more than anything, it's going to fill your cup. And we can't minister to anyone if we don't have anything in us. So check us out, spiritandtruth.life slash conference. And when you sign up, make sure you use the, the code reclamation for $20 off the conference fee, a small little gift from us to you. I'm super thankful. I'll be there hosting the conference and I hope to see you. Now let's carry on our conversation with Stephen. It's obvious to me that you have this very personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. And I love that, man. I love all the scripture that you're spitting at us. Uh, I am curious, um, who who instilled all this into you? Who who would you say is your your spiritual father? Obviously, you give a lot of credit to your dad, but I'm curious yeah. if there was any other men in your life that really poured into you that really kind of, I mean, because you know, I don't know if people are watching or not, but you don't have any notes for any of this. This is all just off the <laughs> memory. I mean, like I'm, this is the kind of discipleship I love because it's, yeah. it's stored up treasure in your heart. So I, I'm curious, how, how'd you get there? Um, I was challenged by, you know, at an early age uh, with a praying mama and a, and a dad that loved the Lord to get in the word. And I would say number one has definitely been just, I was a sarcastic, disrespectful, silly, dumb middle schooler. Mm-hmm. And uh, and somebody challenged me to start reading the Proverbs every day. And just how transformational that was to my life, uh, that I began to develop an appetite for the scriptures and then to start memorizing, yeah. uh, you know, chapters of the Bible, passages. <laughs> so I would, in high school, find a girl that I liked and would say, let's memorize this chapter of the Bible together. <laughs> so, so the, the relationship would fizzle out, but the chapter would remain, you know. <laughs> the motivation. Is that, yeah. how you, is that how you snagged your wife? Man, no. But uh, but, my, <laughs> but Jill, we, we memorized Colossians 1 together while we were dating and leading up oh, to our marriage. But, but I know Romans 12. Philippians 4, Philippians 2, those are chapters that I memorize with different girls. <laughs> and so, and now, now I, uh, most of those girls I never talk to or see ever, but those scriptures are, help me every day, you know. So. In, in my head, it looks like, yeah. oh, Philippians 4, that's the Bonnie chapter, you know? Yeah. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Um you, you know, it, one of the reasons that we're chatting today is because you guys have a, a brand new uh, project that's being released out into the homes, and it's it's this documentary. And I'm curious, um, show me the father, a, a documentary all about pointing us back to the father and what that looks like. Um, how, how did you have to shift your brain to go from a fictional, very um, intentionally curated story uh, in, in a traditional movie sense to this documentary? How did that mess with you? It was totally outside the box, but it was very exciting. 
You know, feature films, we write the script from beginning to end. A documentary, you go out with an idea, but you're shooting interviews and in the edit room, you're kind of crafting the story and what's the order and should we even include this line or not, you know? And so uh, it was, again, a faith journey. You know, the Lord had said as we were finishing up the release of Overcomer, he began to say, I want you to make a documentary about fatherhood. And so, and then he was sending Rick Altizer, a talented award-winning director to help us. Mark Miller, uh, a talented producer to step in and help us. And so we were moving forward, not knowing what the stories were going to be. Basically, we had a, a, a blank sheet of paper and we just wrote out we, a few things. We wanted people to understand more about the fatherhood of God. Yeah. And we wanted them to walk away and for them to be able to say, God became my father after I watched that documentary. And so mm. with that as a key premise and a biblical, a, a biblical understanding of fatherhood being in people's minds and hearts, when we moved forward, we had no idea about Jim Daly, Sherman Smith, Dylan McCullough, any of that stuff that it was going to be a part of this. And uh, the Lord surprised us as we moved forward to interview people. Doors began to open and he provided some incredible stories that uh, will grab your heart. They're very inspirational. And the end result is that people feel loved by God mm. when they finish watching this movie. And they're like, I know 50 people right now that I want to show this to, you know, and because fatherlessness and the father wound is connected to addiction, depression, trafficking, you know, drug abuse, uh, ban- you know, uh, kids dropping out of school, health issues. It is the common denominator of the majority of people sitting in prison today. Fatherlessness. It's, wow. I have found out research was done on the last four centuries of the most uh, prominent atheists. The mm. one common denominator is they were either abandoned or abused by their earthly fathers. So they were deeply wounded and fatherhood, it says in Ephesians 3, was created out of the fatherhood of God. So a father should be an introduction to the fatherhood of God, to his children, being a a father who provides and protects and teaches and comforts and keeps his promises and is nurturing his children because the seven roles that dads are supposed to play in the lives of kids— we talk about these, talk about these in Show Me the Father, are reflective of the seven roles that God our Father plays in our lives that Scripture talks about. So those introductions to the character of God should be in the lives of dads, introducing their kids early on. Yeah. So with that in mind, when you remove that, when you pull a a good example of a loving father away from a child and he's wounded deeply, then he begins to grow up thinking, well, dad didn't keep his promises. So God won't keep his promises. God, dad didn't love me. God doesn't love me. Uh, get, you know, my dad doesn't care about me or have time for me. God doesn't love me or have time for me. And it causes them to reject a straw man, a misrepresentation as to who God is. So we talk about in show me the father that we've got to learn to throw down those faults perceptions as to what God is like based upon the woundedness that has come from our fathers. And we've got to view God through a new lens. And scripture says that lens is actually Jesus. What if Jesus was your earthly father? Mm -hmm. Jesus told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The words I speak are the words from the father. The love I have has come from the father. So Jesus was the perfect representation of the father. And if you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you figure out what did Jesus do? What did he say? How did he live? What if he had been my dad? How would my life be differently? Because he always provided, always protected, always, you know, cared for, rebuked when he needed it, provided boundaries when he needed to, always gave clarity and direction. And then John 10 lays down his life for his sheep. That's what a father is supposed to be, because that's exactly what God the Father is like right now in the lives of every believer. That if you've given your heart to Jesus, God has adopted you as his, as his child, and you can relate to him now as that perfect, loving, heavenly father that always keeps his promises and will, will never disappoint you if you trust him. 
Come on now, Pastor Stephen. We're going to pass off from plate here Come real on. soon. I'm here for all of it. Well, and one of the things we talk about here a lot is that um, is that we've the church as a whole, which I love the local church and I pastored in it for a long time. Um, but what we've done is we've taught people how to come to church and not how to follow Jesus. And so when you look at Paul and Timothy's example, Paul calls Timothy his spiritual son in the faith. And right now we have an entire generation of people who said yes to Christ, but then were left at the yes. doorstep of the orphanage and no one's ever raised them. And yes. what I love about uh, what you guys have done here is you've really drawn out some of the keys in the Great Commission, some of the key things that we have to do in making disciples. Uh, now, I, I am curious because it's powerful stories, including a couple of a uh, couple of my guys from Ohio, Eddie George and uh, uh, McCullough, and mm-hmm. some of these guys who've been around Ohio for a long time. Uh, I'm curious if, as you heard these stories, uh, what did it do to the way that you parent your kids? Well. Uh... Eddie George's story is about taking responsibility, you know, with whatever God entrusts to you. He shares about finding out his girlfriend was pregnant when he was young in the NFL and how uh, how Sherman Smith stepped into his life and was a mentor and a father figure for him. And so it's interesting that not only do prominent atheists have stories of abandonment by their, by their earthly fathers, but prominent ministry leaders also have stories of either a strong godly father mm. or a strong father figure that stepped in to fill the gap, which is the story of Jim Daly. And so uh, seeing those stories was an inspirational to me. And it, it's crazy that you bring this up because in the last 24 hours, uh, the, the Lord has just been speaking to me about basically calling some of these guys that I'm mentoring and discipling like a spiritual son and viewing them as a spiritual son. And so just that concept, because Paul keeps telling Timothy, like you said, he calls him my son. You know, that he is spiritually stepping into his life. It's interesting, if you look in 1 Timothy, Paul says that it wasn't Timothy's dad that was the spiritual example. It was his mother and his grandmother, which means that his mom was praying for him, sharing the scriptures with him, trying to impact him. And then God sent a surrogate spiritual father, Paul the Apostle, Come on. into Timothy's life to step in and be a spiritual dad for him. And so and we don't have any knowledge of Paul being married. Scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 communicates basically he wasn't married and not having any biological children, but he had a spiritual son and Timothy pouring into him. And I'm thinking that relationship, that father-son relationship is so pivotal that um, we need to be raising up men especially to go on the offense. You don't have to be seminary trained. You just got to love Jesus and be willing to reach into the lives of people that have less gray hair than you and to be able to say, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? And then let's just go through the scriptures together and let me help you as a father would to his son. That's what Sherman Smith did that we feature in Show Me the Father. That's what Jim Daly had uh, in his football coach that impacted him. And really that's what we all need to be doing. So. Yeah, we always say that good good disciple making is it's intentional, it's relational, and it's reproducible. Mm-hmm. And and, and ideally, like we're not raising up. Um, and show me the father. One of the things that it becomes clear is that we're not raising up uh, children to be adults. We're raising up children to be fathers, right? Specifically, as it pertains to men. When I'm I'm not yeah. trying to raise my and I have two boys and a princess, and uh, I, I'm not trying to raise them to just be adults. I'm trying to raise them to be spiritual mother and fathers yes. versus because because I do think that there is a difference between Christian parenting, which is important, right? Christian yes. parenting super important, but I think there is a distinction distinction when we think about disciple making versus Christian parenting, because in disciple making, we know that you've fully matured as, as a disciple when you've made another disciple, right? Mm. We know that you fully matured as a parent when you are a grandparent, right? Like I, I, I'm very passionate about that because I think it's, yes. it's such an important distinction on the promise that, that God makes Abraham, that your descendants will outnumber the stars. That promise is available to us if we're willing to make disciples. So I'll step up my soapbox there. And well, just... and let me, let me add to that. And that is before there was a marriage in a garden, there was a father and a son in all eternity. Yeah. And the first commandment 
The first commandment that he gives to people is to be fruitful and multiply. It is not to mature. It is basically to become a mom and a dad. And so if we translate that over into Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And if you're walking with me, what's going to happen? Fruitfulness is going to start coming out of your life. Spiritual fruitfulness is going to start flowing out of your life. So absolutely a sign of walking with the Lord, a sign of following Jesus is stepping into fruitfulness spiritually, that you're bringing people to Christ so they're born again, and then you're growing them into maturity, which is what Paul said at the end of Colossians. If you read Colossians 1, which I memorized with my wife when I was dating her, yeah, uh, he, you said, did. he said, I am striving, I'm working, I'm laboring. What for? He says, preaching Christ so that I may present every person in Christ mature, basically, in him, complete in him. And so he says, I'm striving for this, that I may bring about spiritual maturity in you, that discipleship process. And so I tell people, man, far better than producing a movie, which is a bunch of pixels, you know, uh, far more than that is changing the lives of people so that you will see that translated into eternity, you know, the people that will be in heaven, because better than working on the next iPhone and pouring your life into something like that, it's going to be outdated in a year anyway, you know, (laughs) but, but for you to pour into people who have souls that are made in the image of God that Jesus died for that can then produce more disciples, man, man, that's totally where it's at. My best ministry is ministry. I have no part in. You know, other than just watching as a as a as a grandparent or a spiritual great grandparent, so that's mm-hmm. so good, so good. Uh, biblical characteristics uh, uh, of a father. You list seven of them. I'm going to ask you a, a personal question. I'm going to list them off here for our listeners: yeah. friend, encourager, provider, leader, teacher, protector, helper. Uh, I'm curious uh, which one convicts you the most, and which one do you think you're best at? Let's see, provider. I spent a lot of time providing for my kids, pouring into them. Uh, I'd spent a lot of time teaching, uh, helping. I've been increasing more in, but just getting your hands dirty on the day to day, whether it's untying my daughter's shoes this week because she had turned them into a big knot, you know, and uh, being a comforting friend. As my kids get older now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm realizing, and my brother Alex is really good at this. He plays with his kids a lot. He doesn't just parent them because I've spent a lot of time spiritually nurturing my kids and talking about adulthood and, you know, let's sit down and let's study the scripture together. Let's pray about this. I've kept it at that level. Alex spends a lot of time saying, hey, let's go throw the football, shoot basketball, whatever. And that heart bond that takes place from playing with your kids opens the door then where they're even more excited about hearing what you have to teach them. You know, mm-hmm. so when scripture says speaking the truth in love, you know, we have a loving relationship and then the truth is like a seed that we plant into that soy soil. So I played with my kids a lot when they were little and yeah. uh, and I'm very involved in their lives on a daily basis. But I've just known I've noticed that I spent a lot of time saying, hey, let's go work on this project together because there's always stuff in my mind that we should knock out around the house or whatever. And sometimes it's just like, hey, let's just go. Uh, throw the football together. Let's go hang out in the backyard. Or or what is something fun you would like to do that we can go do? Because that heart-to-heart connection, you know, uh, pushes the relationship to another level, which gives you an opportunity later on when you're talking about the Lord for them to soak it in, you know, even more so. So, Yeah, and in disciple-making, we call it the with him principle, that that Jesus probably really strengthened his relationship with his disciples because they were just with him. You yep. know, and, and you, you can't strengthen your relationship with anyone if you're not, you know, with him. I was listening to a podcast this morning and said, you just, you can't rush intimacy. And that's, that sounds yep. a lot like what you're talking about there. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So I know that my listeners are fierce prayer warriors. Uh, as this film, this documentary gets released into the world uh, for, for wider consumption now at homes and at churches and all the different places where it's, it's a officially released um, what what are some of the things that we can be praying for as this is seen by the multitude of men across the world? Well, well, it is in Mexico, Central America. It is about to open in Brazil this week in theaters. So we've been praying for that already. 
but Show Me the Father is, there's something special about this movie. And Courageous Legacy is a new updated version of Courageous is coming out at the same time on December 7th. It also had a theatrical release. We got a new ending that we shot showing the officers 10 years later. So both of these movies, one from a feature film, fictional kind of storyline with Courageous Legacy and one with a documentary, True Stories. Both of these are a one-two punch specifically to call men back up into spiritual leadership. Uh, And so a lot of churches have not uh, restarted their men's ministries since COVID hit, and they need to be jumping on it fast. Uh, Every day that men are not engaged is a crisis, a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. And so I would say, uh, please pray for these movies that the Holy Spirit would work in people's lives as they watch them. Uh, Show Me the Father uh, is hits people at a deeper level emotionally than most of our other films. And uh, the scriptures that are sprinkled throughout and the true stories that are sold uh, that are told very sincerely uh, are, are pretty captivating and, and they grab you at a deep level. But everybody has a father story, whether it's one of pain or of joy and respect. And so it ends up grabbing people at the heart level when they watch it. Mm. But ultimately, at the end, we point them to the gospel and to Christ. And so we're praying, and I would ask you to pray that churches and ministries would use these films as harvest tools to win the loss to Christ and to do deep level ministry because addiction ministries, depression ministries, uh, people that have been through some PTSD in abuse situations, discovering God as a loving father and discovering who you are in Christ are fundamental for you to break three, break free and to heal. And this movie takes you there. It takes you to that deep level of seeing God as that loving father that you need. And so, but we can meet, we can make a movie, but only God can change a heart. So we're just praying yeah. that the word were spread. We've been translating them, spending extra money to uh, get them translated into other languages around the world. And I'm thinking that Show Me the Father is going to be able to evangelize people uh, at a deep level unexpectedly. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be happening in prisons. We've already been talking about how, how we can get this in prisons because the majority of guys in prisons have been deeply wounded by their dad. So That's so good. Uh, yes, we'll definitely be praying for all of that and uh, for just, like you said, that, that great awakening of people understanding who the Father is and, and what that can do. Um, okay. So I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you on the interwebs. I have one more question for you, but before we get there, where's the best place, um, to follow you and your ministry and all the things that are, are coming out and, um, you know, whatever you're working on next. Yeah, sure. Well, Kendrick brothers, we have a Facebook page. You can go to our Kendrick brothers, Facebook page. Uh, we've got Instagram stuff, Twitter stuff. You can jump on. We have a website, kendrickbrothers.com. You can see our films and books and those kind of resources and stuff. So, uh, and please sign up anytime a movie's coming out, there'll be an opportunity to sign up for like an email updates. And that gives us an opportunity to send out really quickly to a lot of people. It's about to hit stores or kind of keep you abreast in case you're not, you know, it's not on your radar, you know, so, um, but those would be starting places. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, except I, you get to give yourself one piece of advice and I get to take you back to a very specific day. And so I'd like to ask you to go back to the first day, um, of, of work in the position that you're in now. So your very first day filming, making films with your brother, doing this sort of work, uh, if you could go back and give that younger version of Steven one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, I would say start getting up earlier in the morning to spend mm. time with the Lord and do not let your schedule run your life. You run it. 
Mm. Uh, those two things, and even today, I mean, this morning I was thinking about that, praying about that, you know, uh, the guys that I know that are getting the most done uh, are usually early, early to bed, early to rise guys. And uh, usually at night, because I'm a night owl, a lot of times I'll get a lot of stuff done at night. But at night, a lot of times we're hanging out, having fun, you know, goofing off with our kids, cleaning up stuff around the house. In the morning, though, uh, I'm thinking about the priorities of the day. I'm wanting to just make my heart happy in the Lord. I'm uh, praying, gearing up, getting ready for the race of the day. And uh, when I get up earlier and do that, uh, the day goes better. I get more done. I'm more efficient Mm. rather than playing catch up all the time. So filmmaking is weird schedules. Uh, exhaustive deadlines, but uh, I just looking at my life, I'm like, man, if I could go back, start that habit of getting up earlier, sooner. So, oh, that's good. That's a good word, uh, Stephen. Thank you so much for your generosity today with your time and for your commitment to what you're doing to put out great content for for all of us to consume. So, uh, thank you, and we appreciate you, and and I can't wait to connect with you further as you continue to put out great stuff into the world. Tony, thank you, brother, so much. And I appreciate you and your heart for the Lord. It's an honor to, to get to talk to you. Have a good day. I told you guys, what a, a great conversation uh, with Stephen Kendrick, all about what it means to be uh, a father, about the biblical characteristics of a father. And, and I think when we can recognize our shortcomings as dads or as fathers in our own lives, then it gives us an opportunity to depend on God. So I, I love this idea Uh, about obey what God has told you to do. I love the way they do their ministry. Do me a favor, go uh, hit them up on social. Be sure to check out their new documentary, Show Me the Father, or even uh, go ahead and re-download the remake of their courageous movie, Courageous Legacy. Also, if you could, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you leave a rating review on iTunes. It goes a long way to get the word out. And the best compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. I'm so thankful to be on this journey with all of you. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.